The following program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit absoluteloans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage. Now in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to The Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, March 12th show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. My goal is to keep you up to date on the latest news and trends in our local economy. Keep me tuned in and I will keep you informed. If you're listening to my show at a different time or day, you're listening to a rebroadcast, but I'm here to answer any questions, uh, connect you with the amazing guest I have in studio. Please call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 411150 or online at the and the lineup for the show today Dennis Brooke novelist speaker and a storyteller world rovers his and him and his wife traveling around the world he's going to be discussing uh, is it early retirement for you is it a right time and how do you do that and travel for the rest of your life one couple's formula to rove the world at 55 also in studio I have Kim Frazier with John L. Scott Bellevue Buying and selling in today's market with limited inventory. We're going to have a great conversation on that because my last guest in studio is Carrie Scott with John L. Scott West Seattle. And if you're looking at buying in real estate, buying or selling real estate, it's really important to understand what's happening in the market because it's crazy out there. The importance of having an experienced real estate professional in today's market. I'll be having a conversation with Carrie about that. Great information and great guests in studio. For more information or any topics that you would like to have discussed and brought into the show. Um, I'm always open for your suggestions. 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And let's go ahead and start out with today's show, as every other show, with a little money chat. Money. Money. I got my guest jamming out in the studio here today. Some money chat. This is actually going to be a good one. We're going to talk about preparing for 2016 tax changes. So I know we're a year out, but you really want to start thinking about what's going to come up in 2016. You don't want to be preparing for 2016 when you're preparing your taxes in 2017. Now, before we do that, I do want to talk to you about this year. It's April 18th is when taxes are due. The Washington, D.C. holiday of Emancipation Day is on Friday, April 15th. So under federal law, the tax deadline gets extended when it falls on a holiday or a weekend. So the tax deadline for most taxpayers will be the following Monday which is April 18th. So let's go ahead and go into 2016 and the tax changes um, and things to watch for for your filed tax your filed taxes in 2017. Tax penalties related to the Obamacare are going up again. The Affordable Care Act imposed penalties for those not having qualified health care coverage. Those penalties started at $95 per adult or 1% of the income above the filing threshold in 2014. They rose in uh, $285 per adult or 2% of income above the filing limit in 2015. Now, 2016's penalties will rise again, hitting $695 per adult or 2.5% of income. A family maximum will apply a per person amount, but the $2,085 amount will be substantially higher than the 975 in 2015 and surely the 280 
85 in 2014. Uh, also, itemized deductions, the limitation on itemized deductions for 2016 kicks into at an income of 259400 for singles and 311300 for married joint filers. Uh, let's talk about foreign income. If you have foreign income, the foreign earned income exclusion rises to $101,300 in 2016 from 100800 or $100,800 in 2015. Now, tax brackets are right tax brackets rising slightly. Most of tax brackets uh, that the govern uh, direct classes of taxpayers are adjusted from inflation. So for 2016, these bracket amounts are rising by roughly 0.4%. Now, standard deductions are going up for head of the household of filers. The low inflation rate kept standard deductions for most taxpayers steady in 2016 from 2015 levels, including a single married filing jointly and married filing separately statuses. For those who qualify as head of the household, the standard deduction will rise just 50 bucks to $9,300 in 2016. Personal ex- exemptions are rising. The personal exemption that tax payers are entitled to take on their taxes returns will go up from uh, fifty dollars up fifty dollars in two thousand and sixteen. That will give everyone an exemption amount of four thousand and fifty dollars. Now, contribution limits on health savings accounts are going up as well. Health savings accounts let people uh, with high deductible health plans set money aside on pre-tax basis to cover the cost of their own health care. For two thousand and sixteen, the contribution limit for individual policies will remain at $3,350, but the maximum contribution for families' policies will rise by $100 to $6,750. A catch-up contribution of $1,000 for those 55 or older will continue to apply. Now let's talk about the earned income credit is rising as well. The maximum allowed earned income credit will up, go up modestly for 2016 for those with three or more qualifying children. The maximum credit will rise to $6,269 up $27. Bucks. Uh, those who have two children will get a maximum $5,572, which is up $24 for 2015, while one-child families can get up to $3,373, $14 more than last year. Now, those without children get just a $3 bump, need to go out there and have some babies, or buy a house. <laughs> we'll help you out a little bit in 2016. Now, the exemption from AMT is higher. The alternative minimum tax uh, has struck a growing number of taxpayers, making the exemption amount more uh, important than ever. Single taxpayers with will see their AMT exemptions go up 3000 in 2016 to $59,900, while joint filers will see $500 boost to $83,800. Uh, the estate tax exemption is heading upwards. A lifetime exemption amount for gift in the state taxes is tied to inflation and it is slated to rise next year as well the exemption amount will rise to 5.45 million uh, up 20,000 from 2014 and the limit applies to estates of those who do pass away this year in 2016 other tax provisions uh, could change and um, when it's renewed nearly every year lawmakers wait until the last minute Go figure. To renew popular tax brackets such as terrible deductions from the IRAs, uh, state tax deductions, teachers' write-offs from classroom supplies, deductions from private mortgage insurance, my arena, uh, which, by the way, you've heard me talk about mortgage insurance a couple weeks ago on Money Chat, so if you did not catch that show, I definitely go back to the podcast, but mortgage insurance is now a write-off again. Um, as early as December, these provisions haven't yet been renewed for 2015, but typically while uh, lawmakers renew them retroactive, 
makes it confusing, but it is retroactive to beginning of the year. The same is likely for 2016 unless the extensions provide for two years of the relief rather than just one. So many things are not changing. Many other typical annual changes aren't happening. Contributions, uh, limits for 401k plans, IRAs, uh, flexible spending arrangements are staying the same in 2016 as they did stay the same in 2015, uh, reflecting a minimum amount of inflation in the economy. Moves people put off tax planning to the last minute, but knowing about these coming changes that are going to be taking effect can really help you plan for 2016 and really strategize for what you do. Um, So that's why I wanted to talk about preparation. That is really what the show is about, why it's called The Money Hour, is to make sure that you have the best information from all the experts in anything regarding your financing so you can have a better quality of life for you and most importantly for your family as well. Coming up next on The Money Hour, novelist, speaker, and storyteller. He and his wife are traveling around the world. One couple's formula to roll the world at 55. Yes, the show is about money. Take a little bit different spin on it because if we have money, we can travel and enjoy our life. Dennis Brooke, World Rovers, right here at 1150 AM KKNW after the short break. Great stories often begin with a what if. For example, what if an English orphan found out that he was from a family of wizards and was being sent off to wizarding school? That what if spawned the Harry Potter series. Our guest today has written a novel based on his own what if question about a passage in the Gospel of John. Toward the end of the Gospel, the risen Jesus is walking with Peter and telling Peter what a terrible death he's going to die. Peter looks behind at John who's following at a distance and asks, what about him? Jesus replied, what's it matter to you if he stays alive until I return? We're talking about you. The Bible goes on to explain that rumors started that John would remain alive until Jesus returned, but that's not what he really meant. But today's guest wondered what if that's exactly what Jesus meant, that John would remain alive until he returned. What would he have been doing over the last 2,000 years? How could he have influenced history? And why would he keep his identity a secret? Dennis Brooks's novel, The Last Apostle, is based on the idea that the Apostle John is still alive and lives in Seattle. It's available in many local bookstores and on Amazon.com. Learn more about the book, local talks, and signings at thelastapostle.com. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, March 12th show. I'm committed to providing you knowledge needed to be successful in every arena, every area regarding your finances. Knowledge is power, and that's what the show is all about and what you'll receive from listening to this entire hour. If you're listening to a show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but I am here to connect with you, and I'm uh, more importantly here to connect you with the amazing guests that I have in studio. So please feel free to call the show one 855 that's one 855 or online at themoneyr.com. Uh, again, for any questions uh, that you have for my guest. And right now in studio, I have Dennis Brooke. Dennis, thank you so much. First time uh, having a conversation with you. Really excited about our uh, topic discussion today. So I appreciate you coming in and, and visiting. Yeah, it's great to be here. And a little bit about Dennis. Uh, Dennis Brooke managed to retire early from corporate life to write and travel full-time. He is a former Air Force officer and IT consultant. In April, he and his wife will be setting off on a three- to five-year stint of living around the world. My gosh, 
That would be awesome. In addition to travel, Dennis's passion is writing his newly released novel, The Last Apostle, sold out in the first printing two weeks before release date. His, uh, the former president of Northwest Christian Writers Association and has bylines in over two dozen international and local publications. So what we're going to talk about here today, and, and I'm excited because it's a different uh, twist than some things that we talk about on the show, which is always nice, but is early retirement right for you? We're going to talk about their couple, Dennis and his wife, one couple's formula to rove the world at 55. So Dennis, what was the first step to financial independence for you? I I think probably the best, uh, I I can give a great quote that kind of sums up our philosophy. And I heard J.C. Watts, who used to be an Oklahoma congressman, and he talked about when he was growing up, his dad used to tell him, you know, J.C., if your outgo is more than your ingo, your downgo is going to be more than your upgo, which is really a fancy way of saying if you spend more than you bring mm-hmm. in, you're on a downward financial spiral. And uh, the way that my wife and I really made that work is when we first got out of the Air Force, I was uh, moved to New Jersey where mm-hmm. I worked for an uh, insurance company for a number of years. And our first three months there, we wrote down every single penny that we spent. You know, where was the money going? Yep. Where was it coming? And so it was really good for us because we could see where the money was going. Like we found that we were spending a lot of money dining out. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, so that was a good way. Yeah, easy to do. Yeah, easy to do. And, you know, it's not just the big numbers like your mortgage and all the things mm-hmm. like that. It's little things like that yes. that add up. And so we saw that, made some changes, and so we were able to start saving better. When I talk to uh, buyers about uh, budgeting, I always mm-hmm. tell them, write down everything you buy, because if you're forced to write it down before you buy it, you're going to rethink actually purchasing that item right. and always be saving for something. It doesn't matter what you're saving for. If you're saving mm-hmm. for something, you're going to think twice before purchasing something you don't need. And you said it's the small dollars, the small mm-hmm. items that really rack it up. Now, what about debt? Did you ever have struggle uh, struggle with debt? Is that kind of... Sh- put you, shift you into this mode, or was it just natural to be financially smart with your money? Well, part of it was we made a decision we wanted to retire early and, okay. and uh, kind of be free of uh, the weekly paycheck. But when I got out of the uh, college, out of the University of Washington, went on active duty, I was making a, what I thought was a huge second lieutenant salary. And uh-huh. so we we racked up debt on... we. Uh, racked up debt on cars, on furniture, mm-hmm. things like that, you know, eating out. And so, yeah, we definitely struggled with it. And it really wasn't until our 30s where we made some big changes. Well, that's really exciting because 30 to 50, that's 20 years, which means that maybe people are thinking you started really, really young, mm-hmm. but you actually started in your third. That's young. I mean, right. I'm much older. I'm close to 50 now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's awesome. Now, you said you worked in the insurance industry doing product de- development. Any advice that you have for my listeners on the experience that you gathered while there? Right, definitely. So one thing that we learned is you only buy insurance for stuff that you can't afford to lose. Like, for example, buy insurance on a house, buy Uh insurance on your car, liability, term life. But there's a lot of little things that people try to sell you insurance on. And the best example is product warranties. And if you buy product warranty insurance, you're paying for the administrative costs of that company. You're paying for profit. You're paying for a commission. And then a chunk of that is the insurance amount, how much it costs them to, to replace things. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is if you go in and you uh, – th- those are the type of things you can usually pay for insurance on your own. If the TV okay. breaks, replace wow. another. Yeah. And the smart way to do that is they go in and they say, okay, it's going to be 50 bucks for this insurance. So go ahead. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Take that 50 bucks, put it in a bank account. And you do that four or five times with purchases like that, that money is working for you instead of for that company. So 
only buy insurance for the stuff that you can't afford to lose. And I always talk about getting your money working for you. Same thing right. with, with making sure you kind of break even with your uh, deductions with mortgage because you don't want the government collecting interest on that, but right. instead to collect it yourself. So let's talk about your inspiration because um, I imagine in your, your journey of financial independence, there had to be an inspiration behind that. Yeah, and there, there were a number of those other than the fact that we rang up debt and said this is not a way to live. But yes. I remember uh, I was an Air Force officer living in Germany, and I'm a captain, and I'm talking to a friend of mine who's a first lieutenant, and he's telling me that he was living on a staff sergeant salary. He was in the Air Force, got all the way up to staff sergeant, and then uh, went to college and got uh, his commission. Uh-huh. And he's a first lieutenant telling me, We're, I'm living on a staff sergeant salary, me, my wife, and my kids. And he was banking the rest of that money. He was, you know, investing, making that money work for him. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had listened to him 10 years before because I would be, we might have this conversation a few years back. Yeah. So, so he was a big inspiration for you to see mm-hmm. what he was able to, uh, to accomplish. Right. And it was great. And one, a couple of things that we've done is we all, my wife and I also read a lot. And uh, some of our favorite books on the subject are The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas oh, yeah. Stanley. Yeah, yeah love great that book. book. Yep. Yeah. And Thomas Stanley talks about the fact that millionaires typically are people that might be living next door. They're not yes. typical good people living in really mm-hmm. fancy places. And, uh, you know, for example, do you know what the car most commonly driven by millionaires is? What? You might think it's like a Lexus or something like you would that. Think? It's Ford 150s. Really? Because real millionaires, or most millionaires, live frugally. Yes. You know, it's not what you spend, it's what you keep. And you know, when it was in after the financial crisis and there was mm. all these amazing deals out there on the market for uh, going to auction and picking up homes, mm-hmm. uh, I worked with some realtors that did classes. And the people that would come in, you would look at them and think, can they pay cash for a home? And they weren't looking at getting hard money. I mean, they were literally going to the auction and paying cash. And so it's interesting when you, from uh, the outside, you think somebody's financial situation is different. Mm -hmm. Um, But so what are some other tips, Dennis, that you can share with my listeners on living within your means? So I mentioned when my wife and I got out of the Air Force and we went to work at, uh, or I was working in New Jersey, we wrote everything down. Well, what we do now is we use Quicken. So when we were working before, it was before you had yeah. uh, personal computers. Uh-huh. So it kind of dates me. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, so now we use Quicken so we can see what our expenses are. And we don't track every cent, but, yeah. cent, but we do have a budget. So you know we give ourselves an allowance for walking mm-hmm. around money for what we want to spend at Starbucks yes. and whatever. But uh, you know we can tell really at a glance, okay, how are we doing on our yeah. plans and stuff like that. So that's our budget. We track it that way. So you have, I mean, you've been doing this for a while and you were writing right. it down. Do you think somebody first starting out with this, it would be as good for them to use the technology versus I think actually physically the, the effort of writing it down mm-hmm. and disconnecting, it makes it more real um, for somebody that might just be starting out and then transferring and putting things in there. But just mm-hmm. the, the fact of that old fashioned um, writing it down, really thinking before you're spending that money. What do you think, Dennis? Yeah, yeah I think the key thing is for at least three months because that covers yes. the quarterly expenses you write everything down you can yes. write it down on paper you can put it on excel uh, and you know for example i use evernote to keep track of things yes. when i'm walking around on my phone yep. it's perfect i talk to my phone all the time yeah yep. <laughs> hopefully it talks back too yeah yeah but the key thing is you write everything yes. down and then take mm-hmm. a look at it and say am i spending the money in the places i want exactly so, so how can you afford to live abroad full-time 
Well, what we're doing is we're going to become houseless, not homeless. We actually sold our house okay. a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And we have friends who have traveled quite a bit, but what they do is they keep a house and then they're in an RV or whatever. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to be unencumbered. So, uh-huh. uh, and this is part of that if your outgo is more than your ingo formula. Yes. By selling the house, what we're doing is we're in a position where we can go ahead and we can live using Airbnb. Uh, in different yeah. places overseas. Yes. We're actually planning on starting out with a hike across Spain, a pilgrimage wow. called the Way or the Camino de Santiago. And so we we couldn't That's a pretty hardcore one. It is. Yes. And we've been training for it, so it's I'm about sure 500 miles. Yeah. That's why you're looking so good, Dennis. Uh, well, my <laughs> wife looks good, too. So. I'm sure she does. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, of course, my shoulders are a little bit stooped for yes. the backpack. Yeah. But so anyway, we're, we're going to do that. And it's it's really a matter of what budget you have to have yeah. to live this lifestyle. Some people can afford to have a house uh, and and travel, but yeah. we just wanted to kind of be free. We wanted to be unencumbered. So we're our permanent address is going to be a seven by seven storage unit for wow. about five years. How exciting! So. so, what's the attraction to living roving, roving the world versus just taking a lot of long trips throughout the year? Yeah. Well, I was a former Air Force officer, and I mentioned I was stationed in Germany, and we like to enjoy the culture. We like to learn some of the language, at least enough to order a beer or a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I want to do is I want to do research for my next book. So okay. uh, we plan on moving to different regions of the world for three months, four months at a time so we can just experience that culture. That's awesome. Uh, Dennis, I understand that your passion is writing, which was one of the, uh, the drivers behind mm-hmm. early retirement. Um, can you tell my listeners a little bit about your book? Yeah. So the book is called The Last Apostle, and the whole premise is that John, the last apostle, is still alive, and he lives in Seattle. And it's half of it is historical fiction takes place in the first century, uh-huh. and then uh, half of it takes place in modern-day Seattle and in other locations of the world. So it's doing really well, getting good reviews. And, uh, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, yeah. And the big question I get from people is, okay, when's the next one? And when is the next one? Uh, it's going to be a while because I okay. need to do that research. Now, is that when sure you were in studio right. doing the audio or were you doing the audio for, for your current book? Right. Yeah, that's because I met you at my publisher's yes. house. I was doing the audio for the current book. So okay. there, there is both a Kindle or yes. there's a Kindle, a print version and an audio version too. Awesome. Uh, retiring early and getting a novel published, um, big goals. Any uh, advice on generating and achieving big goals. So how, mm-hmm. if I've got a listener out there that just has a big goal, what mm-hmm. would be your, what would be your best tip? And this really replies, applies to anything. Write down your goals, mm-hmm. research them, talk to people who've been down that path before. And usually you're going to find people who are, are willing to share those ideas, their ideas and their experience. Uh, if you're lucky, you'll have a great partner uh-huh. like I do, or you surround yourself with good friends and make yes. steady progress. Makes so, total sense. Yeah. Now, if my listeners uh, would like to get inspiration from you and watch from afar in what's happening in your life and your travels, how can they do that? And we have a website called worldrovers.com. So it's worldrovers.com. And uh, I'll be blogging, first of all, about where we're going and also blogging about how you kind of achieve your own goals in that journey. And if you're interested in learning more about the book, uh, go to thelastapostle.com. That has information on the book and also about my appearances in the local area. Wonderful. Dennis, thank you so much. It was uh, great having you in studio and uh, excited to um, uh, read your next book when that comes out and definitely hearing about all your travels. Great. Thanks for having me. I'll be watching you. Okay, great. (laughs) And coming up next in the Money Hour, are you buying or selling real estate? If you are, how are you handling this crazy market? Kim Frazier with John L. Scott in Bellevue right here on 1150 AM KKNW. 
Are you tired of wasting your hard-earned dollars on rent to pay off someone else's home and at the same time losing out on the tax benefits in the process? Kim Frazier with John L. Scott has assisted over 800 individuals and families just like yours in obtaining the dream of home ownership. Kim has been practicing real estate since 2002 and is recognized in the top 1% of all real estate brokers. Kim is well equipped to assist you whether you are a first-time buyer or a move-up buyer looking to achieve your real estate goals. Hi, I'm Kim Frazier and I would love to assist you with your real estate needs. Please feel free to call me at 425-209-5638 or you can find me online at KimberlyFrazier.com. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, March 12th show. I provide you the news on everything money, fresh information on market trends and conditions in our local economy, what's happening right now today. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast to talk with the guests that I have in studio, or if you want to chat a little bit with myself, call 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. Right now in studio, I'm going to have a conversation with Kim Frazier with John L. Scott Bell. You. Uh, not a first time. I've had you in before, Kim, and it's exciting to have a conversation with you again. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. And a little background about Kim. John L. Scott, again, in Bellevue. Kim has been a real estate agent with John L. Scott for 14 years and has been recognized in the top 1% of all John L. Scott agents for 2015. This was Kim's fifth time earning the top 1% designation. Kim has sold over 800 homes in her career and sold 79 homes just last year in 2015. Pretty gosh darn impressive, Kim. Thank you. I only bring the best of the best in here because that's really, again, what the show is about, is providing expert advice on every area regarding financing. And right now, more than ever, we do need expert advice uh, in this market, whether you're a seller and you want to get top dollar in this market or you're a buyer just trying to get into the market. So that's what we're going to be talking about, uh, buying and selling in today's market with the limited inventory. So Kim, how do you prepare your buyers to compete in today's market uh, with multiple offers? I think first and foremost is having great financing, which is where you come into play. Um, You... I think to compete, a lot of cash buyers out there still in the marketplace. So for those that are needing financing, I think all the more reason for them to have their financing, you know, even fully approved, have their Mm -hmm. loan go through final loan approval. Yes. So then all we have to do is insert the appraisal. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, you know, that probably shortens it. What do you think? By about half their qualification period. You can take that from maybe a 30 or 45 day closing Mm -hmm. to a 14 to 21 day. Depends. Which, yeah, depending Mm -hmm. on their other circumstances. But I think it's important to kind of try to shorten up that time. Line, yes. Make sure they're rock solid. Um, no one's even going to look at an offer unless you're pre-qualified with a strong pre-approval letter. Yeah, it makes total sense. And what about coaching for your sellers when they're, these multiple offers are coming in? Because I'd imagine that could be kind of stressful on a mm-hmm. seller to make sure that they're getting the best offer and one that's going to actually make it all the way through closing. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's important to you know ha- to hire a professional to do the negotiations for you because we know what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, strength of borrower. I mean, occasionally one will surprise you and kind of fall apart that you weren't anticipating but there's so many different equations that come into play. Some of it's, you know, price. Obviously, all sellers want to get maximum price for their property, but it's not always just about price. Yes, There's a combination between price and strength of borrower, down payment. Are we going to run into appraisal issues in these multiple Mm -hmm. offer situations?
situations when the prices are be going anywhere from five to twenty five percent above list price. Yes, you know we also have to take that into consideration as well when we're um, deciding which offer to take. So going back to the buyers. Um, any other strategies in, in positioning them? You talked about an uh, appraisal because, you know, knock on wood, there's not a lot of them uh, coming in with the value low, but there are ones that are mm-hmm. coming in. And it's a first in my career that, you know, you're just having this issue that pops up. What are you doing to position your buyers with let's with the appraisal? I mean, are there things that you're doing? Well, there's some aspects in the financing addendum where we, if my client has money in addition to their down payment and they're not worried about paying a little bit more than appraised price, which yes. happens occasionally, uh-huh. and they have a little bit more money that they can bring to the table to bring that dollar amount down in addition to their down payment, that's a conversation that we have in case it does not appraise, which occasionally okay. does happen. Yep. Um, if they're in a position where they can do that, then we can waive the appraisal. So that appraisal is no, is no longer part of that financing contingency, yep. which will also put them in a position of strength. Because when you're concerned about that appraisal, and the borrower doesn't have a large down payment, yes. say maybe they're going 20% above list price, but they're only putting 10% down. Mm-hmm. Your risk of, and if it's priced competitively, your risk of the house not appraising is pretty significant. So yes. those are some of the things you kind of, by waiving appraisal, you can do that, but it is risky. Yes. You know, I mean, you would be putting your earnest money on the line at that point if for some reason you weren't able to bring in that difference in the payment and you had to walk away. Exactly. And I'm, I'm part of the Women's Council of Realtors, um, a lender, not a realtor, but I'm part of the uh, the group. Um, and they have some amazing people that come in and speak. And one of them was Alan Pope. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've heard of him. Very um, highly respected appraiser. And I've been doing mortgages for 20 years. I do a lot of business. And you think you know everything. But one thing that he said that was really shocking that I didn't realize is when you have the lower down payment, we're talking like a 5% conventional mm-hmm. down payment borrower, and they're paying top price. So they're the, out of 20 offers and they're making their price the highest Mm -hmm. the appraiser actually is having an issue appraising it for that because of the fact that they're feeling they're forced to pay higher to compete being that they're the five percent down Mm -hmm. so it was it was crazy to hear that but uh anyways we could have a whole conversation uh, on on just the appraisals Mm -hmm. uh what can a buyer and expect to uh, pay above list price i mean you gave a little I think in the there. South End, I think in South King County, uh, the percentage are, percentages are lower. You know, uh-huh. the Auburn, Federway, Kent area, you might be looking at 5% above list price typically. Okay. Uh, the Seattle market and my co-guest here, Carrie, from the West Seattle General Scott Office, Carrie can attest to a little bit in the Seattle market That's crazy. is probably... 10 to 25 percent. Yeah. Um, I just competed with one. It was a 492 list price. We offered 605 on the escalation. It went to 680 for a 900 square foot house in Ballard. Yeah, crazy. And my client didn't get it. So it went about 30 percent above list price. Typically in the Bellevue market, 10 to 15 percent usually gets it done. Yeah, unbelievable. So how do you qualify the buyers to give your seller the best chance to uh, get the offer to the closing table? By vetting the borrower, number mm-hmm. one, by talking to their lender. I actually, if it's between a few, you definitely want to have that conversation with the different lenders. Yes. I did accept an offer recently. We closed in December in Bellevue, and it was about 15% above list price. Okay. We took the highest offer, but it had the lowest down, pay- the lowest, um, d- uh, down okay. payment. Yep. So they were only putting 10% down, but they were like 15000 higher than the next competing offer. Okay. So what I did is I called the lender, kind of vetted them out. They did have other resources they could bring to the table. Yep. We knew there was a little bit risk involved, but they kind of reassured us, waived their appraisal, that we could make that happen. But okay. some of the other competing offers were 40% down. So it was really a balancing act of trying yeah. to figure out what's in the client's best interest. It's not always just price or always just significant down payment or cash. Sometimes you kind of have to just 
figure it out as you go. Exactly. So what about preparing your sellers to maximize? Because a seller knows you're going to sell your house, but really, mm-hmm. and I, I say this all the time on the show in this market right now, it's not about being able to sell your price. It's about how much you're going to take net from that home. Mm-hmm. You want to maximize it. So how are you coaching your sellers and maximizing to get those multiple offers? Well, I think you have to be really cautious not to overprice the property to begin with. I met with mm-hmm. a client last night and even when he was talking, trying to go about 25000 about 3% over our projected list price. And I was really encouraging him trying to stay right underneath that threshold because it was going to garner more offers than trying to stretch it. I would rather have the market dictate what the price is going to be by having the seller trying to get a little too greedy on the front end, overpricing mm-hmm. it, therefore bringing less offers in to begin with. Yeah. Another thing I was counseling them about last night is I, we typically list houses like on a Wednesday or Thursday and do offer review periods on that Monday or Tuesday. Uh-huh. They were wanting to extend it almost to two weekends. And I said that wasn't a good idea because people don't want to sit out there waiting for that long, number one. Yeah. And you're you're going to get the strongest offers that first weekend anyway. Mm-hmm. So do you really need 20 you know, above list price offers or do you need 40 above list price offers? Or it could bite you in the tush and you don't get any because yep. nobody wants to sit out there and wait for 14 days. And they're wondering why that property has been waiting for out there Absolutely. for 14 days, right? People get, people get anxious and you make you make them angry. Yeah. And they'll just pass. They won't even make an offer on your house. They're like, I'm not waiting for 12 or 14 days. Exactly. So they'll just pass on your house altogether. So if you're listening to the show right now, the biggest advice that I can give you in talking with Kim and Carrie is going to be uh, my next guest with John Scott as well is um, you've got to listen to your your expert that you're hiring. you got to make sure that you hire the best and, and um, uh, many resources to, to know that. I've got two of them right here in studio. Um, and you've got to listen to what, they, what they're saying because this is, they're, they're doing this uh, all day, multiple you know, offers and dealing with all of this. So listening to the advice that they're giving you to uh, get your offer accepted as a buyer and getting the maximum dollar uh, for you as sellers. So in risk of, let's go back to the buyer side, uh, risk in mm-hmm. being competitive in this multiple offer and waiving finance contingency, waiving inspection contingency, doing pre-inspection. What tips and advice do you have there, Kim? Oh, gosh. Um, I think, you know... I know that's a loaded question. Yeah, it's like, where do you start? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, especially for the older houses, you know, pre-inspections are key. If it's mm-hmm. a newer house, I think, you know, it's a risk you take. I think most newer houses are pretty solid. I mean, there's always some things that can surprise you. Um, so if you're kind of a little bit of a nervous Nelly, I definitely would ex- ex- uh, encourage you to do a, um, a pre-inspection mm-hmm. uh, prior to that. I think about maybe half my clients do a pre-inspection, half just waive it. So it just depends okay. on the property. Um, in regards to financing, um, my clients are always asking me, how much should I offer? I'm yeah. like, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I mean, I am the right person, but at the same time, my threshold is probably much higher yes. than their threshold is because I do this all day long. Yep. And so I just tell them to get to the point where it makes you sick to your stomach. Uh-huh. And if at that point, wow. yeah, it makes you sick to your stomach. And if at some point you don't get it, you're yes. okay with it. Makes That's where you sense. have to just stretch yourself to the point where yeah. you wouldn't even be comfortable going another dollar over. Yeah. Get to that point, and then that's your outer threshold. Because otherwise, anything, I say, if you lose it for 5000 less than that, how would you feel? I'd be yeah. sick. Yeah. So, you know, go to your, each person's going to have a different threshold, different comfort level. So I just say, you know, you have to decide. I can't make that decision exactly. for you. And understanding that $5,000 a month is 25 bucks a month in the payment. And it's Absolutely. key for them to understand. It's surprising to see how many people don't have the basic of the numbers. They're not, you know, understanding that, which is key. Yeah. Um, you know, Dennis talked about, uh, uh, you know, knowing where our money is and, and, you know, knowing the numbers and what you're, you're spending uh, mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. So the seller looking at mm-hmm. deciding on what offer except you've said earlier about it's not always about price. So uh, again, how are you um, uh, counseling around that? Well, we kind of separate them out. I think 
basically we kind of set out a, a, several different piles. Typically, mm-hmm. um, you'll have um, very minimal down payment. You know, we'll kind of go in a three and a half to five percent. It's kind of one section. Uh-huh. Um, if a house has been on the market, you know, you've missed that first week of activity and you're just taking offers as they go, that kind of thing. In different markets, it's not as competitive as it's in Seattle and the east yes. side. So I kind of feel like we're talking to those two markets right now. But the other outer line areas around Puget Sound, it's typically not as competitive as that. Mm-hmm. So the 35 and 5% down payments are more common than what okay. we see in the east side and in Seattle, I think. But um, we'll kind of base, you know, kind of tiering the pricing and then also tiering the down payment within the pricing and then taking a look at the strength of the borrower. Um, timelines for closing. Uh-huh. Are they asking for an inspection? Are they asking for closing costs? Mm-hmm. Um, anything they're throwing in, you know, appliances, furniture, kids. Just kidding. Yeah. They just like, <laughs> we'll throw things in there. Well, so you, you kind of bet all of that. Kids. They can have a couple of mine. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, that's what we so kind of separate them out according to, you know, price and then from price um, down payment and things like that. Makes sense. So, right now, if a buyer is listening, lack of inventory, amazing interest rates, mm-hmm. rents are in, in uh, ridiculous, and they're not going to stop. Is it a good time for a buyer to buy right now? It's a great time to buy. Okay. I think you just have to be informed, have a uh-huh. great agent working on your behalf, be prepared to do an escalation clause. Okay. And then I think you just have to jump in with both feet. Got it. And seller, good time for the seller, a seller to put their house time. in the market. Excellent time. There's no yes. inventory. Yeah. Um, I started thinking in the MLS yesterday that it's just buyers are getting frustrated because there's just no inventory out there. Yeah. Well, Kim, any other uh, tips that you would like to share if there's a, a buyer or a seller listening right now? Um, what can you uh, What can you share with them to really just set themselves aside from all of the craziness that's going on out there. How can you just kind of calm things down for them a little bit? Well, as a buyer, I think I would be very informed, have a great lender like Uh yourself Mm -hmm. to really be able to make educated decisions, whether it's the right time for them to buy or not due to their own financial circumstances. Mm -hmm. Rents will continue to go up in um, record rates. Yes. Um, When I bought my first house 25 years ago, rates were 10% and now they're, you know, under four. So big, big difference. So it's a great Mm -hmm. time to buy still. Uh, For sellers, if you're ever going to make that move up, it's a great time. Um, A lot of, you're going to get the strongest offers for your house and still uh-huh. it's a good time to go take advantage of it on the other side with the lower interest rates. Yeah. And if a, a seller, what's the biggest mistake that a seller could make right now? Mm, gosh, waiting too long or not having their house when they do get ready to list mm-hmm. is not having it show ready. I think okay. it's important that your house presents well, Yes, um, decluttered, um, staged, uh, great curb appeal, things like that. Mm-hmm. No, not overshooting the market. Sometimes yeah. we get greedy. Yeah. Let the market drive your price up. Don't be the one driving up your price. Makes total sense. Thank you so much, You're Kim, welcome. for uh, joining me back in studio. Thank you for having Love me. Love having you here. Great to see you. Great to see you. Coming up next in the Money are why use a seasoned real estate broker in today's real estate market? Well, I've got Carrie Scott, which I'm all Scott, West Seattle office, right here at 1150 AM, KKNW. Are you in the process of selling your home? What improvements should you do before you list your home to bring the highest and best price? Should you paint, replace your carpets, put in a new front door, or take down family pictures? You don't want to spend money needlessly, but you want potential buyers to be able to picture themselves living in your home and not thinking about what they would need to improve on before they could move in. Carrie Scott from John L. Scott Real Estate answers these questions every day to help her clients decide what to do to get their home ready to sell. There's not a lot of inventory in the market today, and if you do everything possible to get your home ready to sell, you will be guaranteed the highest price the market will bear and leave no money on the table. Carrie Scott will get every dollar possible because you have done everything ahead of time to ensure that. 
Here's a testimonial from a client selling their home. Carrie was exceptional in helping us sell our home. In addition to being very knowledgeable, professional, and efficient, she was also very hardworking. She had some great instincts on how to get the most from our sale, and she was wonderful at communicating throughout the whole entire process. We could not have asked for more as she exceeded our hopes and our expectations in every way. We give her our highest recommendation. I'm Carrie Scott, and I would welcome the opportunity to work with you in buying or selling your home. You can reach me at 206-799-8343. I'm here to help. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Well, welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, March 12th show, bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's local economy and how it can affect your money. If you're listening to my show at a different time, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at one 855 411150. Again, that's one 855 or online at themoneyhour.com. And right now in studio, I have Carrie Scott with John L. Scott, West Seattle. Carrie, thank you so much for uh, joining me in studio. Thank you, Tina. Good to be here again. And we're going to continue our conversation on the lack of inventory because that is uh, what's happening right now and the in- important to get this information out. But a little bit uh, about Carrie before uh, we have our conversation. Carrie is top 1% of John L. Scott agents for 2015, president of Elite Wood Ford for Outstanding Production 2010 through 2015, five-star real estate awards, Seattle Magazine, certified luxury home mortgage or home marketing specialist, accredited staging professional, international. National Associated Home Staging Professional Certified Quality Street Agent, Group Leader Mentor for Brian Buffini, Regional Management Team Member for Brian Buffini, Member of the John L. Scott Foundation, Peak Group Leader uh, Experience, and Peak Performer Class Facilitator. Wow. What a bio. <laughs> what a bio that you have, Carrie. Um, I want to tell you a little bit more about Carrie. Carrie has lived and conducted business in the Seattle metro area for the past 20 years. Same as me. She is recognized as one of the top producing agents in the Seattle metro area. 90% of her business is repeat and referral business. She provides the Nordstrom quality service. Carrie uses her time, energy, and resources in investing in her clients' relationships. Her approach of investing in her clients give them the trust and confidence to not only use her her again, but also to refer family, friend, and associates. Uh, Carrie's team member includes Lynn Sterling, her full-time licensed assistant, who is also offers top-notch service, a wealth of knowledge, and willing spirit to do whatever it takes to get the job done. And she's also consistently in the top 1% uh, of John L. Scott com- countrywide company-wide 2000-2015. So again, Carrie, thank you. I'm just excited to uh, uh, talk with you. And what time of the year would you advise is best if, if there was a best time for a um, somebody to purchase a home? When would that be? Well, the first thing I say, because I get that question a lot, when is the best time to buy? When is the best mm-hmm. time to sell? And I say first when you're ready. Like, yes. you know, when you've been pre-approved by your lender, mm-hmm. as you know, mm-hmm. that letter has been sent to me and you're ready to go. Some people... They're really excited about doing it, but sometimes they just, I counsel them at times, they just need to wait a few months to maybe yeah. get more down payment 
or maybe in that be in the job a little bit longer, um, or just whatever their family situation is. Just okay. make it. But and right now, if you were to say right right now, when did you buy or sell? It's mm-hmm. now. Yes. I mean, we have such a shortage of inventory that if you're a seller, you can just make so much extra money on your house that yes. you couldn't have made a few years ago. Because yeah. passes uh, prices are up past 2005 when you know when it was a real time high in our market from 2005 to 2008 before we had a bit of a dip. Yes. And we've surpassed those numbers now. And right now, the average listing on market is going anywhere in the Seattle metro market, anywhere between 8 and 24% over the asking price. Yeah. People are waiving their inspections. They're waiving um, their financing. I see tons of people buying all cash. And what uh-huh. they're doing, a lot of them, is they're taking money out of other investments, buying cash, and then they're going to somebody like you and saying, yes. no, I want to. I need a mortgage now that I got actually got the house because they're just trying yes. to be strategic about getting the house. And getting that cash out, doing the cash out refinance afterwards. Yep. Yeah. It's. What are your thoughts as far as... Um, the the strength of this market in in staying like this. Um, what you what are your thoughts, Carrie? Well, I wish I could predict the future. I know I really do, but right now I can just tell you for this year we're on a major major roll. Uh-huh. And for people that are looking to maybe um, upsize, you know, I was just going to say, what about people that are looking at buying and selling? Yeah, it's just such a great time to sell. And if you really get your house right and prepared for sell, there, it's a it's a no lose proposition. Uh-huh. And I also tell them that if you're going to get into another mortgage, maybe you're going to step up. Maybe you have a bigger family, or you just need a larger house for many different reasons. The interest rates, as you know, are such an all-time um, low mm-hmm. that it just makes buying seem seamless and perfect to buy right now just because you'd rather have the 30-year mortgage at this yes. rate than maybe the one you had before. Exactly. And I always you know, tell clients really looking at the cost of waiting versus purchasing now is so important. And that was uh, really numbers that came up in a report when the market was dropping and rates um, were anticipating they were going to go up, but the real estate market was going to drop. And so that was where that conversation started. Well, now the conversation is just positive on both sides because properties are going up mm-hmm. and rates are potentially going to go up. Well, then we know they are just a matter of time. Now, why is it important for the seller to be market ready? Um, you know, one day, put your home on the market. Well, you only have one time to make a first impression. Mm -hmm. And there's just simple things that a seller can do to really maximize the value of their home from a buyer's eyes. Okay. And I always say we just kind of want to make it Pottery Barn perfect. And people like say, that. well, do to paint or not to paint, always mm-hmm. paint. Yes. Like if you have really bright colors that are school bus yellow and red and just different colors, you've got to make it a little bit more appealing to a wider buyer audience. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see what the trends are, like right now, white's a really big trend. Simply white was the number one white color of the year okay. that designers are using right uh-huh. now. Um, I like a little bit more cool, uh, you know, warm colors when you walk into a house. Gray's really popular right now. And uh, the millennials that are buying a lot of these houses are really, really busy people, and they want to oh. move in and have it plugged in so they can just move right in. And so if you're willing to do the the work on the front side, you will maximize the potential of what you'll get on the on the back side. Okay. You'll never leave any money on the table if you repaint, carpet, stage, clean your windows, declutter, get that mm-hmm. garage cleared out. Um, make your closet nice and organized. Yes. I mean, it's a lot of work for you. And sometimes they say, you're going to hate me now, but you're going to mm-hmm. love me later. I'm going to have you halfway packed. Yes. And then when I sell their house so quickly, they're like, oh, I'm so glad I did all that work. Exactly. So, you're, so you've got your top five. So your top five would be painting, carpet. Um, Floor refinishing. Okay. Sometimes a quick countertop change. You know, clean your gutters, get the moss off the roof. We've had a lot of rain, this 100-year rain we've had the last six months. Uh Um, If if you just take that pressure washer and get a lot of things clean Mm -hmm. and spotless, clean just sells. And it takes time. And a lot of people think, oh, this looks good enough. I should still stay here. 
And, you know, you don't, don't wait till you actually move before you do these things. It's just really nice for yes. you to enjoy it, too. Well, and just stay there. I got a, a little bit off topic here, but I was uh, talking with one of my uh, realtor friends, and it's kind of hard to get contractors right now because people are putting money in their their homes and staying because of the lack of inventory. Mm-hmm. Are you um, are you having challenges with your sellers uh, being able to find another, another place? And how are you dealing with that uh, that piece of it for your sellers that do want to purchase another home? Well, I think temporary housing is more popular than ever. Yes. Yep. Because if I'm going to be competitive in an offer, I've got to get their house sold. I can't say, I really like your house. We're going to offer you a lot of money, but we're going to sell ours first. Yes. That conversation is not anything a seller is really willing to put up with. And they have yeah. 12 people all cash that want to close in two weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, there is some risk on your part. I mean, you have to be in f- both feet commit mm-hmm. to what you're doing and say, okay, you got to trust me on this. I'm going to get you to the finish line, but we're going to have to go through a few hoops. But when you've lived in your new house and like for two or three months, you're mm-hmm. going to look back and think, oh, I'm glad I did that. It wasn't so bad. I got where I want to be now. Exactly. And I always tell them the short term, uh, a little bit of chaos that you're going to deal with, just like you said, just in, in it's just think about when you're going to get in your home pain. and that's all, it's all going to be gone. So what about uh, staging? What, if a seller's asking, do they really need to stage in this market? What is your answer? My answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And some people need to stage more than others, but you just want to appeal to the widest buyer audience. And when you make a place like a canvas, it just has some interesting pieces through it. Um, you can do a lot of staging. You can do a little staging, but everyone has a different idea of what decorating is and, yep. and how they would live. And you're just trying to create a nice environment that they could actually envision their things in. And the yeah. number one thing is just decluttering. I mean, a staged house is not how you live in a house, uh-huh. but it's sure how you buy a house. Exactly. And again, it's really about how you're going to maximize the dollar and maximizing the dollar is, is presenting your home the best way possible that you can. And a lot of these buyers, when they're coming in, when they see the staged house that looks beautiful and they're offering 25% over asking, yeah. they don't have extra money to go do this. Yes. So if it's kind of turnkey, they can move in and maybe have a three to five year plan of what they would do down the road, but it's perfectly beautiful to live in now, you're in good shape. Exactly. What about marketing tips on with um, uh, on the marketing side with the uh, the internet and how you're you're presenting that house online? Because a lot of people, I mean, are you, are you seeing people that are coming in from out of the country that are buying before they're actually seeing the home? Are you seeing that happen? I've done it twice. Yes. Where I've just done it by video, uh-huh. iPhone, and then whatever the agent had put in their listing. Okay. I mean, with digital technology, you yes. can do a lot now. You can make your little videos and send them over and um, I usually try to have a representative from the person that possibly referred me or a family member come and do the walkthrough. Uh-huh. It happened the first time I did it. I handed her keys and I said, Dolores, I hope you really love your home because you just bought it. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. For the first time. <laughs> so what about um, for a buyer? Any tips when I was talking with uh, uh, Kim gave some great advice as far as buyers. What other advice do you have in, um, you know, you've got a buyer that has financing. There's, you know, they can't get around that. Um, what are you, what are you doing? to help them be able to compete, especially when they're trying to compete against those cash buyers? Well, I find that uh, when I'm on the other side, when I'm receiving the offers, agents that just kind of fax it and don't even send me a phone call mm-hmm. or say, can I present in person or um, call to even check on their offer till the next day, you know, yeah. I just think you need to really represent your people. You need to represent them to the best of your ability, right? The tightest, most strategic offer. You're really only as good at the end of the day as your offer. Yes. So, and, and just really prepare your clients. They may have to write a couple of offers before mm-hmm. they get the house that they want. Yeah. But I, I have told this now for, uh, over 17 years that the house you get is the one you're supposed to have. Yes. 
And I had only one time in my entire career last year, I had to write 11 offers for one of my clients. And I, I kept saying, the one you get, you're going to be happy you didn't get yeah. the other 10. Yes. And he totally believes that. He's such uh-huh. an advocate for me now. He goes, I'm so glad I didn't get those other houses. Yeah. I love where I am so much. So. Well, I can't remember the last time I've ever asked a client when the next one comes around. So is this, this is better than that last one you lost out of? Yes. 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 It always seems that it does work out that way. Yeah. Um, so what about... Let's talk reputation because really talking about having an expert and working with the best right now, more important than ever. Why is that important? What are you seeing that um, might be missing out if they're working with, with an agent that doesn't have the experience like you do? Well, they don't know what they don't know. Yes. And as we do this year after year after mm-hmm. year, we suddenly find more things we didn't know. Yes. And you think, oh, my God, if when I was new and shiny and green yes. with my real estate license and I was mm-hmm. all excited to call my friends and tell them, they really must have trusted me because I really didn't know what I was doing my yes. first year back in yeah. 1998, right? Uh, so now I just think uh, you have to, you just really have to trust who you're working with and you really want someone that has experience. Yes. If someone's new, make sure they have someone they're mentoring with that can help them. Good get advice. you to where you need yep. to be. And even whether they're new or not, you can have somebody that's been in the industry for 20 years, but they don't sell a lot of real estate. So I think it's important that, you know, ask if they're, uh, you know, in that top 1%. They're really killing it out there in the market because that experience comes from actually doing deals. And we know the percentage of, of how those numbers work, mm-hmm. um, that there's a lot of people that have been in the industry, but they're just not selling real estate. You know, they're not doing those transactions. So it's important to ask that question. Um, wouldn't you, would you agree? It is. And it's really important too to get referrals from, from your agents, uh-huh. clients, yes. because they're oh, going to tell you what idea. they really feel. Yeah. I mean, it, it, having, you can say all you want about yourself, but at the end of the day, it's your clients that are really going to make you or break you based on how they feel about working with you because yes. they're going to refer you or they're going to not refer you. And yeah. being that I'm like 99.9% on referral. I mean, those are relationships. I treasure. Most of them yes. are my friends. I have them over. I cook a lot. I have them mm-hmm. to my house. I have parties every year. I mean, you're they... the Nordstrom realtor. <laughs> Nordstrom <laughs> well, experience. I like to have as much fun as I like to have as much work. Yes. And generally, I'm with my clients so much that they become yeah. my close circle of friends. Too. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, reputation is important as well. And this is where it comes in when you when you have a lot of business that you've done. You've you've closed a lot of um, uh, homes and, and worked with buyers. You've got a great reputation in the industry with other role tours. And that's really important uh, right now because you're going in and you're asking them to pick your offer over the other 20 offers mm-hmm. that are on the table as well. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of having a great reputation in the, the market well, with your peers? That is a great point, Tina, because I know when I'm on the other side, uh, I know that agents that I've worked with in the past, I know they're going to get the job done, yes. even if it's difficult yes. or even if we come through a bump. And generally, the bumps are maybe appraisal. It could be a bump yes. for us. The inspections we always go through because um, at this point, everyone's pre-inspecting. Yeah. It's really nice when the seller does a pre-inspection on their own and shares it with all the buyers, too. Uh-huh. That really helps them because if you've been a buyer and you're on your fifth inspection, it gets expensive for yeah. them, and that's just more of their down payment money gone. Well, why would a seller want all those inspectors in the house anyways? Well, that's it. You know, right? Yeah. You don't want 14 inspections no. in your house. Something's going to get broken. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So any other last final tip uh, that you mm-hmm. want to share with my listeners, Carrie? I would just say, just, just 
really vet out your realtor that you're going to work with okay. so that you feel completely confident a referred realtor is better than someone you may just find on the internet. 100%. And, um, and, and just know it's going to be a ride and it may not twist and turn exactly the way you want, but at the end of the day, I promise you, you'll get what you want. Love it. Enjoy the ride. Do your research on your representation. Mm-hmm. Um, try to not be emotionally connected to uh, what's happening and look at the end in sight. That's it. Yeah. Home love sweet it. homes down the road. Love it. Carrie, thank you so much. Thank Pleasure you, having you in studio. You too. And this is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. I know the hour goes by quickly. Just a reminder, daylight savings uh, on Sunday. This is a day that firefighters remind citizens that this uh, biannual clock change can also serve as a safety reminder to check those batteries in your smoke detectors. Make sure your uh, home and your family is safe. Enjoy your Saturday. And I look forward to talking with you same time, same place, right here at 1150 AM at KKNW. The preceding program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit absoluteloans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information.